We've talked a lot on this podcast about Johnny Gaudreau being a difference maker for the Blue Jackets, and uh, that's what we're talking about again today. Jeff Svoboda is back to talk all things Johnny Gaudreau, and uh, we're dipping into the NHL draft and how successful the Blue Jackets were this summer. That's all coming up today on Locked on Blue Jackets. Locked on Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster, here to bring you news, stories, trials, uh, excitement, uh, fun stories, and all of the above and more about your favorite team and mine, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone for making this your first listener of the day, every day. Locked On Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms and uh, also on YouTube. So if you haven't hit the subscribe button over there, then... Uh, why not? I recommend it. It helps me out. It helps you out. You get notifications when new episodes are posted. Everybody wins. Today, we are continuing our massive uh, season preview, off-season review with Jeff Svoboda, Jackets Insider. And uh, today, we're going to be talking about the Johnny Gaudreau signing, how uh, exciting that is for the team, for the city, for the fans. And we're also checking in on how he thought the Blue Jackets did while drafting uh, Dent Matejok and David Yerichek in the first round. So uh, I'm just going to get right into it. Yeah, I think that is part of it, too. Um, you are right. that you know, Sean Corrali was very happy to come home and, and really enjoyed his first season. Um, it was weird, you know, Jack Rosovic last year had, until the end of the season when he finished very strong. But for about 60 games, he was just, he was swimming. He was lost trying to find his game. Um, and, you know, guys go through that, and sometimes it's it's like the, you know, the, the famous finger trap. The harder you pull, the worse it gets. And I think Jack Rosovic went through a little bit of that last year. Um, but there is, you know, even Cole Sillinger's from Columbus, Carson Meyer making his debut. Uh, you know, it's you don't necessarily want to bring guys in like that just because they're from here because, that you know, that's a great way to not have a great hockey team. But, you know, when it works out to have those types of guys on your team, uh, it, it's great to have because there's some ownership there. Um, and I think there's a lot of ownership among those guys and what that means. And it, it's funny because when you're talking to them about the acquisition of Johnny Gaudreau, you know, they, they can talk about just how important it is to the fan base and things like that. Cause they used to be in the fan base. They know, you know, what it inherently means, you know, all those times that blue jackets fans felt like, you know, they, the slaps in the face, they felt like they kind of took or the gut punches when so many players left. Um, they know what it means when a guy like Johnny Gaudreau says he wants to be here. So yeah, you can't fake that. It just, you know, it's very real, I think, for some of those guys. And it can only help if you've got the right guys. You know, if they fit into your lineup and fit into what you're trying to do, uh, it, it can have a lot of benefits. And I think the Jackets have seen that uh, over the years and certainly last year. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about Johnny Gaudreau, actually, because um, so the, the sign actually happened at midnight, my time, because obviously I am five hours ahead. And so I got a text from uh, from a friend that's just my name in all caps. And I was like, oh, God, what did they do? Um, and obviously, you know, in the earlier in the day, they signed Eric um, Gabranson, who uh, we're, we're going to talk about in a minute. But Johnny Gaudreau, and I've been saying this all offseason, this is a franchise-altering signing, I think. Um, yeah. What's the, you know, and, and everyone has kind of talked about how excited they are to play with Johnny Gaudreau. You know, obviously, Kent Johnson wears 13 because of Johnny Gaudreau and, you know, all of these stories that keep coming out. Like, what's the what's the feeling in the room? Like, how... 
how excited are these guys for the team with Johnny Gaudreau? Yeah, it's all that people have kind of talked about these first couple days, and that's you know that's natural. You know, I don't think they're all saying, "Oh my goodness," you know, Johnny Gaudreau is it's all on his shoulders to make us the hockey team we want to be. Uh, not quite that, but it, there is a sense of like of excitement because it, this kind of pushes things forward. I, I think there was a real internal belief that they were moving the right direction. You know, they've got so many good young players. You know, they've locked up a lot of guys they feel like are, are key parts of, of what they're trying to build here. Um, but it, it was there was still a sense of, you know, it's going to take a while. We're still two to three years down the road of where this is going to be. And then when you sign one of the best players in hockey, uh, who's kind of at the height of his powers, it, it just makes it feel like it, it just feels more real. It feels like, you know, it's not going to be two to three years down the road. It's going to be one to two years down the road. It might even be this year that, that we're a playoff team. And so it just puts a pep in everybody's step that, you know, they go through. I don't think anybody would have really changed their offseason workouts, but I bet it's a lot easier to, to go up, get up and work out the day after your team signs Johnny Gaudreau than it was the day before. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of uh, just excitement there that, that there's a real belief in where this thing is headed now. Um, and say time will tell how long it takes to get to, to what the ultimate goal is. Uh, but, but they do feel it. I think they really do feel that there's some validation there, uh, you know, to what they were trying to put together and what they were doing. But, but Columbus is a hockey city. Um, you say it's the most important signing in franchise history. And I, I completely agree because, you know, we've seen guys leave and they all had different reasons for leaving. And by and large, for the most part, it was not because they hated living in Columbus, Ohio, or they thought it was a bad place to be or anything like that, but they all, but they left. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. And so you can't help, as I said, the, the gut punches, the fan base kind of took over and over again for years. Um, it was nice to be on the other side of that, wasn't it? And so it doesn't mean everything's sunshine and rainbows and now they're going to go out there and drop the puck and, and win the Stanley Cup. It's not going to be that. But um, it sure does make everything feel a little bit better that this thing is definitely on the right track. Um, and, and there's a belief in what they're trying to accomplish here, both you know, among the, the team itself and among the fan base. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the the feeling I had of, you know, we've had so we've had a lot of good players play for this team. We've had a lot of great players play for this team, you know, but they were drafted here or they signed here, you know, uh, or they sorry, they were traded here. But Johnny Gaudreau being the first guy to really look at, you know, and he could have gone home. He left money on the table to go to not play for the Devils. You know, we left money on the table for Calgary. He looked at the map and was like, you know what? I, I want to be in Columbus. Columbus is where I want to be. And it does feel very much like th this is this is the first of, of potentially many. You know, yeah. I think a lot of people are going to look and be like, well, if Johnny Gaudreau wants to play there, maybe there's something worth playing there for, yeah. you know? Coming up in a minute, I've got more of my conversation with Jeff. But first, I've got to tell you about Bet Online because it's where the game starts. It is your number one source for football betting this season. You can find uh, latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth articles, and analysis on every game for every sport. And as always, they remain your continued source for all your sports wagering information, uh, live betting, and uh, up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, uh, including things like MLB, MMA, boxing, golf, uh, Driving, F1, NASCAR, you can do that over there. Uh, you can put money on, I don't know, Johnny Gaudreau winning the Hart Trophy this season. That feels like a, a potential uh, fun bet. Uh, so head to the website or use your mobile device to go to betonline.net and you can learn more about the game and action because, like I said, BetOnline is where the game starts. 
it helps in NHL circles because it's it's, it's validation in some ways. It's, it, it was funny to see all the why Columbus stuff uh, this offseason. And it, I, I tend to think it, it, maybe it didn't exactly break down that way, but it was like half of the, you know, national slash international hockey media, because, you know, Canada is international from here, um, is like, you know, oh, I've been to Columbus. It's an underrated city. Like, this is great. Like, we love going to Columbus. Like, thank you. Good, good for them that they finally got something like this to happen. And then the other half, who I venture to guess have probably never been here, were like, why in the heck did he sign with Columbus, Ohio? I think it, so it was, I think it kind of breaks down that if you've not been here um, and you've not seen the culture and the fan base and the city and everything like that, you, it didn't make any sense. But, you know, it, it, it sort of then, but it kind of took on a mind of its own of the why Columbus stuff. But, he, you know, he's done a good job of kind of enumerating you know, the reasons why, you know, it's not terribly far from home. Uh, he's talked to a lot of people about what a nice place it is to live and play and raise a family and all those things. And it just, you know, it's a good young team. Um, so at the end of the day, it just checked off all pretty much all the boxes he was looking for. You know, who knows if the world's different, if, if Philadelphia has the cap room. Uh, is he a Philadelphia flyer? Who knows? Maybe he is. But at the end of the day, maybe he isn't. And guess what? We don't have to worry about it or go down that road because it didn't happen. So he's a Columbus Blue Jack. So. <laughs> he's out with now. Yeah, he's ours now. It doesn't matter how it happened. Uh, he signed the contract. He's here. He's ready to go. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it does. It just it makes everything feel different. Um, and, and so it just, it, like you say, you are right there um, that it's different because he signed. And, I, and one thing I think about, too, is, uh, you know, as you're going through this rebuild, and they've, got, they've drafted some great young players. They've got, you know, the Cole Sillinger, uh, Ken Johnson, David Yurichek, Denton Matejchuk, and even going back, you know, Igor Chinikov, and some of these guys they've drafted very highly. They think very highly out of, but like, you know, to win the Stanley Cup, I think you have to have superstars. Almost all of the teams that win the Stanley Cup, you know, maybe outside of St. Louis a couple years ago, uh, you have to have, you know, two or three, if not four or five of the top 20 to 25 players in the league. And you hope that the, the Ken Johnsons and the Cole Sillingers, you know, become those guys. And there's a, a very good chance they will. Um, but, you know, you add Johnny Hockey, you add a guy who had 115 points last year. The hardest thing to do in hockey is get elite players. And you just got an elite player. So that just moves everything, you know, to warp speed compared to what it had been. And that's also why it's so significant is that now, you know, you don't have to hope that Ken Johnson becomes Johnny Gaudreau. You have Johnny Gaudreau. And if Ken Johnson just becomes a very, very good Ken Johnson – uh, you, you've got two of those elite players right there. So it just, you don't have to hope anymore uh, in some ways that you, you've just added a, one of the hardest things to get. Um, and that I think is another thing that makes it so exciting. Yeah, for sure. Um, something that's, that's kind of, I've been thinking about it since, and I want to talk about Travis City uh, in a minute, because I think the Blue Jackets had a pretty good showing as they usually do. Um, specifically, I'm thinking about Jordan DeMay, who led the, QH, the QMJHL in scoring this season, I believe, and somehow fell to the third round because he's, what, five, seven, five, eight? Yeah, he's Johnny Gaudreau. Five, nine, but I can guarantee you he is not 5'9". He <laughs> he's 5'9". He's yes, yeah, he looks um, like he's 14 years old, and I hope if he hears this, I hope he doesn't get mad, but it, he just is, he looks as young as can be, <laughs> and he's not very tall. <laughs> but the kid can play. I, I suspect that's what you're going to ask me. He can play, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, but I just, yeah. I, I think about, well, Johnny Gaudreau fell to the fourth round because he was small. Yeah, you know, and I watched him play in Traverse City, and I was like, I can't believe this kid fell to the third round. You know? Yeah, it's that's that's the vibe I get from from Demay. Is I don't think he's I don't I'm not out here saying yeah he's the next Johnny Gaudreau, but right. I'm yeah. start, I'm seeing hints of that. Yeah, it is interesting to think about how it's been proven over the last 
um, you know, five to 10 years in hockey. I mean, how many elite five, six, five, seven, five, eight players were there in the 1990s? Uh, I mean, Theo Fleury, is that maybe then Mardin St. Louis, but is that about the list? Because you either had to be insane, which Fleury seems to be, um, or like is the most determined human being in the world, which I think Martin St. Louis is. Like you had to have something extra to survive in that era of like clutching and grabbing and six foot six defensemen who could basically just tackle you on the ice and there'd be no penalty call. Um, but now that the game's opened up, you're seeing more and more smaller guys. You know, the, the, Cam, the Cam Atkinsons of the world, the Alex DeBrinkets, and you can go on down the list. There's a bunch of guys now, Johnny Gaudreau uh, included in that list. Uh, that are now succeeding. And so, the, you know, teams are still in the draft at the end of the day, teams are still probably going to bet on size because it's hard to find really talented big guys um, at the end of the day. And so I understand why teams do it. But I also think the young, the smaller guys are still undervalued. And I know Columbus, they wanted Jordan Dumais. Uh, you know, they, they seriously explored trading up in that draft to earlier in the third round to get Dumais. And when it didn't quite work out, you know, they were sweating bullets that he was going to be there at the 96th overall pick. And, you know, you don't have to run up to the podium to make your selection in the third round of the draft. You, you, know, you just announce it on a speakerphone. But I, I get the sense that if they would have had to run up to the podium, they would have run up to the podium to make that selection. And so, yeah, I, I think, you know, time will tell uh, with Jordan Dumais, but he certainly has skills on the offensive side that you can't teach. Um, and the, the game is easier now for the smaller guys. And the road has been paved by the Johnny Gaudreau's of the world for guys like him to be successful. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and count, you know, and speak against him because, you know, I think it's very clear that the talent is very much there uh, for someone like him. And he could be, whether it be the next Atkinson, the next Gaudreau to, to, to tie it back to that, you know, but he, he certainly has the talent to, to be an NHL player, it seems like. Got more of my conversation with Jeff. Uh, we're going to talk NHL draft and how they did. And uh, that's coming up next on locked on blue jackets yeah for sure i just i remember hearing him like he was drafted obviously and then i looked into him and was like wait this kid had like 120 points in the qmjhl this season like why how did he how did he fall so far and i wonder how many johnny gaudreau's it's going to take before the league at large is like size is not as big of a detriment um and i want to kind of uh kind of transition into talking a little bit about the the draft um, because the David Yerichek falling to sixth, I thought was fantastic. Uh, he was actually second on my, I did a lot of draft previews and prospect work and stuff. And he was actually second on my board of, of players right behind Shane Wright. I was convinced that the Blue Jackets were going to go with Cutter Gautier. How much, or like how much can you, do you know about their thought process was, were they always going after Juracek or was it a case of, well, they wanted Gautier because I heard a lot of rumblings that the Blue Jackets wanted Gautier. Obviously he went fifth to the Flyers. Was was Juracek always the, the plan or was he kind of, I say plan B, but you know, he's, I don't think he's a plan B, but were, were they looking at Gautier and had to go Juracek because he went or was the plan always Juracek? Yeah, uh, they liked, I mean, they liked all those players. I mean, they, they you know, they liked your uh, Slavkovsky. Uh, they liked, you know, the, the guys who were in the, the mix there, um, you know, they liked all of those guys. Um, I know they really liked Cutter Gauthier. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, if David Juracek had been picked five, uh, then Cutter Gauthier would have been picked six. But, you know, Cutter Gauthier was picked five, so David Juracek was picked six. They were kind of in that boat where, um, you know, the, the teams above them were going to determine a little bit of what they did. Uh, and I don't, think they they're disappointed by any means of getting David Yurichek. Uh, you know, I think, um, like I say, if, if, if 
the way it worked, Yurchek was there. You know, you picked the best overall player at that point. And David Yurchek was the best overall player left on their board. Um, you know, th- there was probably no plausible scenario in which both Yurchek and Gauthier were on the board at six. So, you know, whoever they ended up getting there, they were going to be happy with. And, I, you know, I think they're very happy with Yurchek. You see him play and you say you, you see the size, you see, you know, the length. Um, and you see the, the puck skills that he has and the, the shot that he has. It's, you know, he's going to get typecast as the defensive guy, you know, partly because of his size, partly because Denton Matejchuk also gets drafted in the first round, and he's sort of the quote-unquote skill guy. Um, so everyone's going to sort of view Juracek uh, as the big guy. But I tell you what, he can move, and he's got some really good skills with the puck on his stick. And so, you know, he's never going to be Zach Wierenski, per se. But he's not going to be a, a just a complete shutdown defender. And I, you know, they think with his his length and size, as he gets stronger and bigger and more experienced, he you know he will be a shutdown defender. But he's not going to be a one side of the rink guy. He's a two hundred foot defenseman who you know you can play with a Zach Wierenski. And he's not you know he's going to be able to cover Zach Wierenski, but he's not going to be out of place playing with Zach Wierenski either. So um, you know, very happy I think at the end of the day that, that they got David Yurichek uh, at, at that six pick. Yeah. I will say, speaking of, of Matejchuk, I was not not confused as to why they they drafted him. I was, I, well, okay, I was I was a little bit surprised that he went so high in the draft. And then I watched him play at Traverse City. He was, I think, one of the more underrated players on the Blue Jackets in that tournament. I thought he had a fantastic uh, weekend at Traverse City, um, and he was a guy that every time something good was happening, I looked up. I like I would look and be like, "Oh, hey, Matejchuk's on the ice," you know. So, yeah. how did how do you think his his Traverse City went? Because I think he's kind of been marketed as well. Obviously, David Yerchek is going to be the star from that draft for the Blue Jackets. But watching Matejchuk play, I'm like, man, this kid's this kid's maybe closer than I originally thought to the NHL. Yeah, it's funny because I, I just said, you know, that uh, Juracek's going to be typecast as the defensive guy. Matejchuk's going to be typecast as the other guy because Juracek is drafted sixth overall, and he's the first draft pick, so so many people end up talking about David Juracek, David Juracek. Um, and then Matejchuk ends up kind of being a little bit under the radar as far as that goes. Um, but I think you're right. You know, you, you watch him in Traverse City, and you, you, he's billed as a guy where the skating stands out, but you watch him live, and the skating stands out. Um, you know, he, he maybe he didn't quite maybe take over the games as dynamically as as I, you know, he does in WHL, but that's you know this is a higher level. He's playing against some pro guys, you know, guys that have that have more experience than WHL. But you know his skating, man, it, it, it's good. And it's funny how you know the NHL is any professional sports league, but it's true the NHL is going to be a bit of a copycat league. You get the you know someone bursts onto the scene and everyone wants oh I want the next you know next what, whoever that guy is. And right now it's it's Kale McCarr. You know everybody wants the next Kale McCarr. So you're going to start seeing these like dynamic, well, you know, good skating defensemen um, jump up a little bit, I think, in, in kind of the the evaluate, evaluation circles. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying Denton Matejchuk is Kale McCarr. There's only one Kale McCarr at this point, but um, he has that type that type of ability to you know skating ability, creativity. Um, you know, the way he can kind of take over a game and impose his will. Uh, you know, he he actually compares himself to Charlie McAvoy a lot more. Um, but I think you just, if you're an observer or a fan, you can't help, you know, the, the McCarr thoughts. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, he definitely stands out. Uh, I, I'm very excited to see him in, back in the WHL this year, which is where I assume he will end up. You know, he's probably, I think, supposed to be the captain in Moose Jaw. Um, the talk was second half of this past season, he really took over up there. And so he could probably put up some obscene numbers for a defenseman uh, up in the W this year um, if – 
you know, if you stay healthy and keeps developing, you know, he could have a really, really big season. Um, and I, I think you know, that, that would do nothing but help him uh, really feel like, you know, when it comes taking over games, things like that, imposing his will on games, and how that can help him as he gets to the next level. And that's all I've got for you today. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to be bringing you more conversation with uh, Jeff about more off-season things, how much they're going to miss Oliver Bjorkstrand. Uh, the answer, spoiler alert, is a lot. Uh, so that's coming up tomorrow. Thank you for listening today. I've been Jay Foster. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find the podcast at LO underscore Blue Jacket. If you have comments, questions, criticism, uh, you can email me at lockedonbluejacket at gmail.com. And uh, thank you once again for making this your first listen of the day every day. Locked on Blue Jackets continues to be free and available on all podcast platforms. We're over on YouTube. Uh, I'm trying to hit 250 subscribers by the start of the regular season. So if you haven't hit subscribe, then uh, feel free to hit that button. It uh, really helps me out. And uh, until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on.